0: Hey there, I'm your host Justin Scott and welcome to AI Exposed. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring all the technologies that premier support for developer teams at Microsoft use when helping companies just like yours looking to take advantage of artificial intelligence. This episode is all about a tool called Hive. We sat with Ashish Toplival who's a program manager at Microsoft, whose team deals really deep in these areas. And we got some very valuable insight from him going all the way from where this tool fits into the whole ecosystem to a couple of places where we do a deep dive on exactly how this tool works. Hope you enjoy the show. Well, hi Ashish, uh, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, hi Justin, how are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good today. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get started, I would like to know just a little bit of background yourself. Uh, what, what do you do at Microsoft? Uh, sure. Uh, my name is Ashish Thaplial, I'm a
1: program manager on the ASD Insight team here at Microsoft. So ASD Insight is a uh, Azure service where we deliver Hadoop, Spark, HBase, Storm, and some of these big data uh, analytics technology as a managed service to our customers. So we see a lot of big data every single day.
0: Yeah, sounds great. Now, today we're gonna to talk a little bit about some of the exciting things coming with Hive, which is a tool that complements uh, HD Insight and some of the tools you just mentioned. Uh, can you explain a little bit what Hive even does?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So from my HD Insight as a, as a cloud big data service, um, Hive is, one of the largest components that our customers use. And uh, Hive is this de facto standard um, on top of Hadoop, right? It's de facto SQL standard on top of Hadoop. And just to give you a little bit of story in terms of how it came about. So uh, when MapReduce was sort of a, a release way back in time, it seems like way back in time, um, it was pretty good uh, in terms of solving big data problems because, you know, you could divide your big data into smaller data chunks and do map reduce and aggregate the results and, you know, produce the result set, final result set. The problem with that approach was that, uh, you, you know, it was all Java, so you needed to write a, a map reduce program uh, that was that was written in Java and not many DBAs or a database professional knew Java. And and the same problem was faced at Facebook where they saw the business benefit of MapReduce but then adoption sort of leg guarded because of lack of skills. And so what they did was that they wrote a, a, a layer on top of this MapReduce framework where um, a SQL person can write a query such as select star from employee, and this layer will then translate that into a MapReduce program. And when that happened, the adoption sort of uh, uh, skyrocketed within Facebook. Um, And then they open sourced that framework, uh, now known as uh, uh, Hive. And so the problem that Facebook was facing wasn't too dissimilar than the problem everybody in the big data world was facing, right? There was a lot of uh, SQL expertise, not so much um, Java expertise in the big data world. And so the Hadoop adoption um, uh, picked up quite a bit and people started uh, uh, using it a lot more. So it's been a number of years now and Hive is very, very has become a very, very mature. Uh, it's de facto standard people use to ask questions to the big data and get answers. Uh, and so we, we see that use case in literally every single big data implementation in site.
0: Okay. So if I could summarize, what I hear is MapReduce is under the covers and is pretty complicated stuff. Uh, so somebody had to build something that made this a little bit easier, and that's where Hive comes in. And it allows data-centric folks who already know SQL, to use something they're familiar with. Is it exactly like SQL? Or are there some distinct differences in the language? Uh, is it actually called the same language? How does that work?
1: Yeah, so this is a great question. Um, so uh, the first question is, is it exactly like SQL? It, it, uh, it, it feels and behaves like SQL. Um, there are some dissimilarities um, in terms of architecture and even in terms of some of the statements that you're going to go there. Uh, the language is known as a high, high QL. Uh, it's awfully similar to SQL, and so that's that's where people draw their comfort from. But is it, a, is it a, like a RDBMS? Uh, answer is no. I think uh, some of these Hadoop systems are um, write once and read many, many times, and, you know, there are challenges in terms of what you could do from a, a ACID semantics uh, and whatnot. Um, but because it's uh, so close to SQL, uh, and and it is getting better. So one of the things that early on a lot of uh, Hive developers faced was that oh, it was like a SQL, but then if you needed to do a very complex join or a group by or a, you know some of the things that you would do in a regular SQL, um, it wasn't there. But the but the, over the period of time, Hive has matured. Uh, so, if you look at some of the industry benchmarks, such as TPCDS, um, you know, which is um, which is a, a de facto benchmark that everybody uses for decision support system, uh, they have about 99 queries, and uh, Hive is able to run all of them. So, that kind of tells us like uh, how far Hive has come in terms of uh, kind of uh, you know supporting the like a standard SQL. Uh, but but again, uh, you know, there, is, there are more ways to go.
0: Right, right. Uh, so there's uh, this language that allows us to query this complex data that doesn't quite always fit into a relational database like you would see in a transactional database system uh, like SQL Server or something like that. Uh, but are there challenges that these type of developers have with this data that Hive is maturing and solving? Uh, meaning are there some new features out that's really helping the developer or is is hive a set thing or is it maturing still
1: yeah it's a it's a it's a, it's a maturing and then what's happening around hive is also putting a lot of uh, pressure on it uh, and you know there is a great community around it so one of the one of the main fundamental challenge with hive was that it is able to deal with the petabyte scale data right you can have a very 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 large data set and you are you are able to get insights. But the problem with that was um, Hive was you know Hive was pretty slow, right? You issue a query, and then you go out and have a coffee, and you know depending upon a complexity and your joints and the uh, uh, amount of data that you are uh, scanning, it will take some time. So it wasn't like interactive by any means. It was it was slow. It will compare it will it will feel very slow with a, a a relational database but over the years with the with the advancements that has happened in the tel uh, framework and uh, in the newly release hive 2.1 uh, uh, it has really become very very fast uh, so much so that it is um, uh, you know people are able to do sub second queries of um, on a very, very large and a, and, a, and a complex data set. So I think where Hive is kind of improving moving, moving forward is that the core fundamentals and, um, you know, how it can get the results faster. Um, it does that by uh, doing continuous improvement uh, with respect to its optimizers. So the cost-based optimizer was the one that was newly released. Um, and then the second is, uh, the, the, the traditional hive was very really serial in nature. So every time you needed to read some data, it will, you know, go to the disk uh, and then they get the data for you. And you needed to read it again, then you again go back to the disk and get the data again. And that adds the latency because some of the disks are, uh, it, you know, the remote disk or a remote storage systems. And so for user, it, it kind of appears very slow. So what Hive has done now is that they've introduced the concept of uh, uh, LLAP demons, and LLAP stands for uh, uh, it used to you know they used to call it uh, long live and process, but uh, they changed name very really recently to low latency analytical processing. And so what these are are these are the sort of a dedicated uh, demons uh, within within Hadoop nodes. And so what happens is that data is actually cached into these, these nodes, into the, in the, into the RAM and uh, local SSDs. And so if you need to get this data set again, you're not going all the, b- all the way back to the disk and thereby incurring a lot of latencies um, of getting that data. Uh, and so this really, really kind of makes uh, Hive very, very fast so i think you know you, you asked the question about where is hive is going so one it is going on that speed front right it, it's able to give you results faster than than before the second area where it is really really good is around the security side of it um, if you think about hadoop uh, you know it it, it it it's a deep down in the back end and then security was was not mature for for hadoop um, but, uh, but with the with the with the new version of Hive and some of the the security that is coming up with uh, you know the Azure Active Directory and Ranger and whatnot, it's it's kind of you know coming to that enterprise grade um, uh, security class, which is kind of a helping a lot of enterprises as well in terms of their adoption curve and whatnot. So those are the key areas I would say are the uh, are where um, Hive is Hive is really really uh, um, getting ahead.
0: Okay, and uh, just to put everything in perspective, so when you're using HD Insight, how does one go about using Hive? I mean, for someone who's never even used it, what do they do to actually start? Yeah, it?
1: yeah, this is a great question. So, um, so when you create a Hadoop cluster, so you can go to the Azure.com, and um, if you do not have an Azure account, you can get a trial. Uh, and then once you have the trial, you can just go and spin up a inside cluster. And so by default, we have uh, you know some sample data in each and every cluster. Uh, there is a famous table called Hive sample table. Um, and so you can go to the the cluster dashboard, which is Ambari. Um, and then in Ambari, there is something called Hive view. Uh, and once you go to the Hive view, it's kind of a query editor. Uh, if you have ever written SQL, you you know you, you will feel home. So you can write uh, very simple queries such as SELECT star from Hive sample table, and then run it, and then you'll see the result coming back. Um, so that's a very very simple way of doing it. Now in uh, Hive 2.1, uh, one of the new thing that we introduced was um, high views, right? So um, I talked about the data that is already on the cluster, the sample data that is already on the cluster, and you can analyze it. But what if you want to sort of analyze your own data? And generally big data is in the format of uh, CSV files or the TSV files or the JSON files. So you can actually, you know, um, go to that same high view um, and say hey uh, there is something called upload table so you'll just upload that uh, csv file let's say and then once you upload it uh, the 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 hive view will extract the schema like what is your column name and you know what is the data type and whatnot. Uh, and then a hive table would be created uh, just like that so we've made it very very easy um, to for the for the get started type of scenarios so uh, yeah, go create a SDI cluster and uh, there is a lot there that we are to get started very, really, very easily. One other thing that I would mention, um, we partner very closely with the Microsoft Learning and uh, we have put up some great courses around uh, big data in general and especially Hive. Uh, those are hosted on uh, EDX, uh, so you can also go to the EDX, ch- check some of these courses. Um, uh, and and that has and those some great uh, labs and instructions and whatnot. So that's another avenue to kind of learn and uh, get started as well.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I'll actually put a link to those uh, in our meeting notes, see if it helps everybody. Uh, but when somebody's using this, are there, you know, some of the fundamental concepts, and I'm thinking of the person that's coming from a relational database background, uh, can you Talk a little bit about some of the concepts where they may be loading a file that's kind of messy, and they're used to this structured uh, uh, cleansing of the data before it's used, and how that's a little different using uh, uh, Hive and and systems that support it. When we think about uh, the Hive, uh, I think we think about it in the
1: context of big data pipeline, um, where your data is produced by sensors or data is produced by line of systems, such as CRM systems, or data that that gets stored every single day in databases such as SQL Server, Oracle, MySQL, uh, so on and so forth. And so the first first step there is to get data into a data lake. Um, uh, Data lake in our context could be Azure Data Lake Store or Azure Blob Store where uh, the raw data, you know, uh, can come and live. Um, So once your data lands there, and there are a number of ways how data lands. We have Azure Data Factory for more batch-oriented workloads, and you can have a schedule where, you know, you can push data every hour, every day, depending upon, you know, what works for you. Or it is more continuous uh, data, such as coming from Event Hub or a Kafka or a Spark streaming and whatnot. Once your data lands, um, there is a process called ETL, uh, extract, transform, and load, so that this data can be um, uh, in a format which downstream system um, can 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 make use of it. Um, and there you could use a number of different tools, such as Hive for the relational pieces. And so, very uh, normal use case is that your data is coming, and let's say a field is coming and then there are like 10 data points, but you are only interested in five. So you would say, okay, instead of 10, give me five. Uh, uh, so, and you might enrich that data with you know, some other reference data so that it's more useful later on. And then you might want to save it in a format where a specific engine would like it more. So for example, if you're, um, and queries are coming from a Hive-based engine, you would put that into a ORC format, which is a in a columnar file format and Hive works really good with the ORC file format. Or if your engine, the, the, the engine that you're going to use this data is Spark, then you're going to put this data into a parquet file format, which is liked by, um, liked by Spark and whatnot. So you're going to do a lot of that work. Um, for a lot of, uh, you know, sort of a NoSQL type um, data, you might wanna put that into HBase and whatnot. Now, once you have that data, data prepped um, and transformed, it's ready to be consumed by your data scientists, data developers, or the people within your organization. And then, at that point in time, the question comes in, okay, what is the best tool to consume this data? And depending upon your needs, So if your users are more SQL friendly, then they could use something called um, the Hive LLAP where they can get sub-second results on their queries. If your your user population is more Scala or Java or Python uh, uh, heavy, then they could use a tool like Spark. Um, There are other open source tools such as Presto and whatnot, so depending upon uh, what what they're comfortable with they could use one of these tools to sort of a, uh, uh, read the, read this data and, 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 and get insight one of the one of the sort of a pitfall I want to make sure that I talk about is that when you start architecting these big data pipeline um, and I see a lot of architects putting these fancy and sort of big diagrams where, Data move from one line of one one system to another system and another system and another system. Um, one of the things that we have learned is that the larger your pipeline is, longer your pipeline is, and if it involves you know lots of uh, you know the different technologies, um, it looks good on a paper, but it's very hard from an operational perspective. And and here is why. Um, one is you know. You, you think that your schema of your data will remain constant, but it never does. You know, we all are evolving organizations and uh, things change. And then when things change, you need to make sure that you change those schema in all of these different line of business systems, which is a very difficult task uh, in, a, in a production system. And so we see a lot of time your pipeline kind of fails because of that. Uh, the, the, the second challenge is around the freshness of data. So let's say you have this setup where you are doing ETL in uh, ETL and data stored in a Azure Data Lake store or a blob storage. But you are consuming, your end users are consuming this data from let's say Azure SQL Server, Azure SQL Database. Then what you need to do is that you need to move this data from blob storage to the Azure SQL DB. But once you move it, what if this underlying data changes? The data that your consumers are getting is stale data. It's not a fresh data. Um, so um, the 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 only word of caution there is, you know, be very careful about about how you build your pipeline. The better pipeline are are, are more simpler uh, than the than the than the complex one. So I uh, just want to mention
0: that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and if you explain a little bit about where hive fits in the whole ecosystem and what i mean by that is is hive ever used as a real time system for uh, for example does it actually populate data in a real system or is it typically used uh, by the data developer to find out and query and answer and again i know you said there's some movements towards it being quicker and quicker but it's not typically used as a real time system is that is, is that a good way of looking at it?
1: Yeah, so I think that's a great point. I think we need to think about um, uh, like two scenarios. Um, one is the interactive scenarios, meaning that there is a data scientist or a human being sitting in front of a system and issues a query, and query comes back in a reasonable time, right? That may be five seconds, that may be ten seconds, or that may be under the second. So that's where... Um, you know the hive is, is kind of a very very useful, or that data needs to be looked after. You know some 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 point in time, but if we are thinking about the other category where, you know, there is an application like I say mobile application uh, sitting in front of a hive, and it is actually directly querying a hive or issuing uh, queries to the hive. In that in that world, it is. You know it is not suitable. Um, You would be much wise to use, um, you know, more real-time systems such systems such as DocumentDB, for example, or maybe HBase, for example. Hive is really not suited for those kind of scenarios because, you know, the latencies are higher, and latencies are higher because you know you're dealing with. uh, with hundreds of terabytes and petabytes of data with a very very complex queries. So it's a more of a data warehousing system than uh, you know the real-time OLTP type system.
0: Right, okay, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm gonna keep expounding on this uh, to really hit the point mm-hmm. home. Uh, if you go and look at, since it's SQL-like we said, um, explain a little bit about the concept of, for example, doing updates and writes through, through mm-hmm. and where that may be a lot different than what we think in transactional systems.
1: If we think about uh, the traditional uh, RDBMS, um, what do you do? You first create a database and then create a table, and once your table is created, then you insert data, uh, and then you update data, and you delete data. Uh, That's called the schema on write, whereas if you think about Hive, it is schema on read system, so your data is already somewhere, maybe in a blob storage or Azure Data Lake store. Now you are creating a schema on top of it. Uh, And so you would still write a create statement, but it will be on, on top of existing data. And then you'll map that statement with, you know, whatever the schema you have in your data set. And so what happens is that that schema lives in a meta store which is again a relational database um, in nature. So in our case, we in HD Inside, we pull, put all of that metadata into a small Azure SQL database. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of a Hive works. So uh, Hive systems traditionally has been sort of a write once. So you write the data, you create the schema, and you read it multiple times, um, which works for most of the scenarios. But if you think deeply about it, um, there is always a chance where a, a bad insert happens or a bad data flows into the system, right? And if right. then if you do not have an update semantic, how do you deal with it? Now, you might think that this is very sort of a um, you know, not-so-common situation, but actually that is not the case. I think what, what our experience tells us with our customer is that every once in a while the bad data flows into the system and then the question becomes, you know, how do you deal with it if you don't have a good update uh, semantics? Now, good news is that with the Hive 2.1 which just got released with SD insight, 2.1, uh, insight 2, 3.6, um, uh, there is a new semantic called acid merge and what it means is that you can actually update the data. So you could you could say that, hey, I know that, you know, that record uh, on that date with that ID is bad. Or there is like, you know, I know that my whole table or the whole data that I inserted on that date is, is, is bad, uh, uh, let's go update that data. So Hive finally now support these uh, ACID uh, semantics uh, in, a, in a really, really good manner. Uh, which, 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 quite frankly, no other, uh, you know, the big data engine does uh, that today. So that's kind of a unique differentiation. And this, you know, it's funny that it happens all the time, but it is 2017 where when we could find a good solution for that.
0: <laughs> I agree with that. When we look at this Hive, does Microsoft have their own solution for Hive, or do we – Really, are we kind of a wrapper around and tooling and stuff around Hive that's already out there? How how does that work?
1: Yeah, in is the insight we have no proprietary. uh, You know, we don't fork it, we don't change it in a way that it's different than the open source. So we have a partnership with company called HortonWorks, and uh, HortonWorks is uh, you know one of the premier um uh, distribution of uh, big data technologies and so we partner very very closely with them in terms of you know getting our hive bits from the open source communities and then package them up and then deliver them deliver those bits as a service to our customers and if there is any issue happens let's say there is a bug in hive or a feature that that we need to introduce Because our customers are demanding for it, or our customer needs it, then we work very closely with the HortonWorks and open source communities, uh, so that those fixes or improvements are um, accepted and then brought back to the service. We never sort of uh, fork the code and make the change, and uh, you know uh, we, we we just don't do that. So we very tightly. Uh, coupled with community and has uh, 100% open source bits in our service.
0: Right. And to be clear, we offer this as a platform, correct? We, we're we not ever asking our customer to go provision servers, although they could, uh, but we actually abstract that and make it where pretty much a few clicks and you can be up and running in Hive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people automate as uh, the inside cluster creation. So when you create a cluster, we give you a highly tuned cluster that's ready to go. Um, You can scale the clusters, you can scale them down. And the other advantage is that, and it's probably quite, you know, very, very important one is that our clusters are decoupled from underlying storage. Um, So you could scale your underlying storage and compute totally separately. We have many customers that, you know, they do their big data processing and then they delete these clusters without impacting any of that underlying data. Um, and next morning they come up again, they spin up their clusters and start, you know, sort of equating the same data or using the same data. So that agility, um, you know, is, is, is unprecedented in a sense that uh, it saves a lot of cost because Hadoop is, is expensive. And so if you are able to achieve that, a uh, lot of our customer love love those capabilities,
0: right? That's great. Uh, so I want to turn it over to you now. Is there anything that I haven't asked about that is just some really sexy stuff that uh, you can do in this tool tooling here uh, that we haven't discussed? So I
1: I, I think you ask um, all the all the all the great question. Uh, I think one of the other pieces maybe we can talk about next time is about you know, where does, sort of, a Spark fits into this, this story, right? I talked about earlier where, how Hive came about. Uh, and it's all about pendulum swing, right? It was all programming and then it became all SQL. Um, I think uh, we are, sort of, ready for another pendulum swing where um, uh, Spark has come as this great big data engine where, one, it's very, very fast um, because it, do, it does a lot of uh, in-memory competition. But then it introduces uh, uh, languages such as Scala, Java, and Python, uh, apart from uh, just the SQL. And so that's you know that kind of brings not only data developers but a lot of developers into the into into the game here. So uh, so I'm very excited about uh, that piece as well. And probably in uh, coming series we can we can talk a lot more about that as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think uh, you just signed yourself up for an uh, upcoming episode, so I'll, I'll definitely hit you up on that. Uh, hey, uh, right. I, I always like to close with this question. Uh, anything at all technology-wise that interests you for the, the next year or so, anything that's just really excites you, even outside of this conversation topic? In terms
1: of uh, what excites me, I think uh, everyone in the big data world is, uh, you know, one of sort of applied answers. Faster, right? And so there is, uh, there are a lot of good engines out there, and there are a lot of upcoming uh, engines such as, you know, the Impala and Presto and Spark and Hive and uh, Druid and whatnot. And it's fascinating to see all of these sort of evolving and, you know, trying to solve that problem. So I'm gonna, you know, stay pretty close to these for next one year and where we can contribute and uh, how can we make, you know, one of these better and uh, better for our customers. So, yeah, I'm really excited about uh, the speed aspect of Hadoop, which wasn't there before and it's kind of coming up now and um, I really look forward to sort of following that and contributing and uh, learning that space more and more.
0: Uh, That's great stuff, Ashish. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Very good insight here. uh, And I do look forward to having you on a future uh, podcast for sure. Uh, So thanks. Thanks very much. All right.
1: Thank you. Bye for now. All right.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us on AI Exposed. Once again, I'm your host, Justin Scott, and I'd love your feedback on this show. Just hit me up on Twitter at AI Exposed or send me an email at aiexposed at outlook.com. Take care.